What's Up Whittier. Welcome to What's Up Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. Here are the notes of our community corkboard filled with this week's events. Hey guys, producer Christine here with this week's community corkboard announcements. First up, we have the Whittier Farmer's Market every Friday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Check out the Whittier Farmer's Market at the corner of Philadelphia and Bright. Guys, the time has come. I've been waiting all year for this. Concerts in the Park is officially on its roll. On July 10th, we have Woody and the Longboards, a Beach Boys tribute in Central Park at the corner of Friends and Bailey. And on July 13th, A Hard Day's Night, which is a Beatles tribute band, will be performing at Parnell Park, located at Scott and Lambert Road. I'll announce more dates as the months go on. The show starts at 7, so if I were you, I'd get there about 4 or 5 to support our vendors. I know last year, A Hard Day's Night really brought the park down. So, I know I'll be there, and hopefully I'll see you too. Shop the Runway is celebrating their third anniversary of having a brick and mortar in Uptown. On July 15th, Join Claudia Prado, our guest, on episode 13, Every Day I'm Hustling, as she opens up her shop for a fun day of makeup, fashion, and more. Check out their Instagram at ShopTheRunway for more information. On Saturday, July 15th, join Learn in Scooping Up Success for Youth at their second annual Scoopathon fundraiser. And with this hot weather, you definitely want to go down to Emmy and get some ice cream. Enjoy! On July 16th, the City of Whittier and Metro LA are sponsoring Walk and Roll. Walk and Roll temporarily removes cars from city streets and transforms the streets into safe and fun spaces to be enjoyed by families on Mar Vista and all of Uptown Whittier and throughout the Greenway Trail. We invite people of all ages and abilities to come out for a bike ride, a jog, a stroll, or just to have fun. Walk and Roll is free. Just bring your smiles. And last but not least, on July 21st at 7 p.m. at the Knotted Apron, Stephanie Portugal, a.k.a. Mrs. Hungry and Whittier, a.k.a. our guest on episode 10, Cold Pizza is the Shit, is selling tickets to this year's hottest summer luau. There will be giveaways at the door, some snazzy sunglasses, amazing food, drinks, and more. Head on over to HungryandWhittier.com to get your ticket today. Alright guys, looks like that's all I have for you this week, townies. If you have something you'd like us to feature in the community corkboard, tag us on Instagram, check out our Facebook, or send us an email at whatsupwittierpod at gmail.com. Also, if you like this podcast and think other Whittier townies would like it, recommend it to them. If you have a friend who has never heard of Whittier, which is completely understandable, or if they've heard of Whittier and they have a different idea of what we know it to be, let them know about the show. We have a lot of exciting things coming up for the rest of the year, and we'd love for the whole community to join us for these moments. So, don't forget to subscribe, or else you'll miss out. Alright guys, this was a really great episode, and we talk about Emmy Dew's ice cream. It's been pretty hot, so check that out. Take it away, Justin Remo. Welcome back, everybody from What's Up Whittier. Hello, What's Up Whittier. So today, on a hot day, very hot day. It feels, I mean, we're, are we summer already? Yes. <laughs> it's really hot outside. <laughs> it seems like just days, just, uh, you get cold days, hot days, muggy days. No, nah, not muggy. No. It's gloomy not, days. Not in this area. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, today's a hot day, and uh, so we're, out of the, we're out of the office, we're out of the, the home studio. We're out of Jesse's uh, oven that we were sitting at for yeah. five <laughs> minutes, and we realized it was too hot. 
and so we're on a, on a different location here. Um, and today we're recording out of Robert Ariana's uh, studio or office, actually. Um, so so again, like every week, we have a special guest. We got Robert with Learn. Welcome. Thank you. So Robert, what what is it? Uh, describe to us uh, what Learn what Learn's all about. So Learn is a five hundred one c three. We're a nonprofit um, educational agency. We've been around for uh, over a decade now. Uh, what we do is um, our tagline is encouraging a culture of learning. So we want our kids to go from point A to point B. Initially, we thought. Every kid, you know, we're trying to create a pathway to college, and we know that not every kid wants to go to college, but we want them to be productive. And so uh, we changed our tagline from encouraging a college-going culture to encouraging a culture of learning. So regardless of what it is you want to do, if you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a businessman, you want to be a, you know, restaurateur, you you got to do something different every day in your life. And so whatever you're doing in your life right now is kind of your culture. You have a home culture, you have a school culture, a business culture. But if you want to do something with your life, you got to do something with that, and you got to change your culture. So what we say is we want to encourage a culture of learning. We want a kid to, to understand that, well, if I, I need to get from here to there, what do I have to do different with my life to, to achieve that? Uh, and so we help do that. We, we, so in, how do we do that? We, we write for and we manage a number of grants, both federally at the state level, at the local level, and individually from foundations. We also do fundraising as well. And in that, we provide services that range everything from college access to parenting education to um, you know, uh, after-school programming, enrichment resources, um, a whole host of activities to develop that culture of learning. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, the way I, when I met you, Robert, we were actually, um, I was part of a fundraiser you guys had put together, and I heard of Learn, obviously, but I didn't realize that Learn was tied also to Emmy dues. And so, uh, so then after I, and then I ran into you again at another fundraiser that was just at Emmy dues, um, where it was, uh, uh, what was it, Mayor scooping ice cream for everybody? So that's, that's right. kind of cool. Mayor Dutra at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us about that. How, how is that all tied together? And So um, sometime back we um, had this idea of launching a social enterprise, and um, what we wanted to do was to have the nonprofit actually run a business and have that business generate income but have it have it our kids be, you know, the ones that really push that. So, um, MED's ice cream shop on the corner of Philadelphia and Bright, uh, across from Chase Bank, is an ice cream store. It's an ice cream sandwich store, and it's run by the high school students that we have, um, students in the, in the area, in the community. And um, more than just making money off the shop, they would, would come in, and then they would go and, and get... Um, go through workshops on, you know, financial literacy, <clears throat> college access, um, career awareness, you know, resume writing workshops. And we even at the end would end it with an etiquette dinner. So, you know, like which fork do you use? And we, <laughs> yeah, which we, is life skills. I mean, you talk about. Yeah, I don't even know which fork to use. So <laughs> it's really advanced life skills. All right, we're going to sign up Remo too. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, is this is this? Uh, I, I've walked by it many times, and is is it really run by all high school kids? Yeah. Um, so the high school kids that come in are, you know, they go through and then they're actually the ones that come in through through learn or yes, or we actually had also there's different ways that we we've, we've worked with that. There's so we used to um, have a uh, an agreement with. SASFA, which was a youth employment agency, and so they would work and identify youth for us, and then they would send us youth as well. Some youth came to our program. We would put ads at the high schools that we were at, and then youth would apply. Um, and and uh, so we'd have a combination of that. Some have gone on to college. Right now we have a combination of high school and college students that are working there right now. But but what got my attention and where I, I thought was a really cool concept was that you're 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 taking somebody who kind of begins at the entry level, right, or or bottom. I don't say entry level. Not a lot of experience. Sure. Yeah, not a lot of experience, and you you work them through uh, different positions, right, to a point where they're essentially managing or running a store. Um, and and to me, that's very powerful as a college or high school kid. Kids aren't really learning. I'm, I'm talking about experience too. Uh, kids aren't really learning about uh, financials um, at, in a high school level. You give them a business where they could really apply and see how money's being used. You know how they got to you know kind of think quickly in terms of adding, subtracting, and all that stuff, um, and just communication skills all combined as one. I mean, those to me are very powerful for setting somebody up for success. Right. Because um, not 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 a lot of those things are happening all at once. In a school setting, so uh, when you, were, you guys were explaining to me that, I was like, "Man, that's, that's really awesome! Why isn't everybody doing this?" You know, <laughs> so like, and I think at a, at a younger age as well, you learn a process. You know, if you're a, a starting entry level type job, you're learning how to do just whatever. It might be, for example, a burger. You know, slap the lettuce, tomatoes. You're not learning all the things that it takes to actually run a business. You you learn just a step, and you guys are showing them the whole thing from, you know, again, scooping the ice cream, for example, but also all the other things that go with it, the customer service, the, let's say, some of the financials and so forth. So that's that's a very eye-opening experience for a younger person because it's more than just, you know, scooping the ice cream to have a successful business. Sure. That goes to one of our core values in terms of, you know, making sure that we provide experiences that have applications to the real world so if you yeah. can always remember yeah. being in school and saying like what do i have to learn this? right because, well you need it one day it's like well it's why? The wax on wax off and it comes <laughs> exactly yeah. so so yes that that very much to the point i mean and we're really we're really we really key in on that as one of our core values and it's it's part of the curriculum that we what if we if we're doing a curriculum out of the school site we want to make sure that it has applicable connections to the real world for the kids so that they are engaged in that so um so yeah no that's great that's great i know you also do programs uh that you go work with schools right uh essentially on site uh what kind of programs do you guys do so um we're it, it varies uh so at, at the high schools we we do a lot of club-based programs focused on enrichment or like academic enrichment we also do homework help and then there's also club-based activities. So, for instance, at Pioneer, we have a garage band, you know. Oh, that, yeah. nice. <laughs> and uh, they've been in the parade. We had them on a flatbed truck. They were doing a rock version of Mr. Grinch. That was kind of cool. <laughs> um, we also um, we work with um, 
one of the former teachers of the year, state teachers of the year, um, and who was actually one of Jaime Escalante's former students. Interesting. And like his mentor, he too is a kid magnet. I mean, his room is packed with kids. And so we provide the college tutors for them. And these kids are coming in getting help for either AP or, you know, um, you know, calculus, you know, algebra, those kinds of things. And I, so we employ him after school hours and we play now his brother also. And honestly, it's like, it's like you know, somebody whole bird feed out there and birds just come in. I mean, the kids really, they really connect with him because he makes it, again, um, fun and yeah. makes connection with them. Yeah. So those are some of the things we do. Um, we, um, at the elementary level, um, the same thing, academic enrichment, working with kids to provide them with everything from homework assistance. We don't do homework completion. We get a little pushback from parents, like they still have homework. Here, just do the homework. Yeah, <laughs> but we tell the parents, well, we're not a uh, homework completion program. We're a homework assistance program. We want to help them. Did you get it? Okay, finish it at home. Because we have other academic enrichment pieces in there. So we have a STEM piece. We have an engineering adventures piece. Um, we're, we're working to get the kids involved more. We, we have a parent piece where we want to get more fathers involved. Um, we have a recreation piece called Kids Play, which is a separate program. So um, they actually have uh, leagues around four sports, so flag football, basketball, Olympic team handball. If you've never seen it, it's pretty cool. Olympic team handball, that's interesting. Yeah. We, get a lot, we don't do soccer, but we get a lot of the parents who are familiar with soccer. So yeah. it's kind of like soccer with your hands, yeah. and that brings out a lot of parents' um, I'm trying to visualize. I thought a handball was the big hand and or the ball, and you slap against the oh, wall. Oh yeah, like and then you prison move. ball, right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we have different experience. Yeah, there. sorry. All right, well, my yeah, experiences. We there we are. <laughs> we tell them it's not that, and uh, it's a team of like uh, five or six individuals. You've got a goal. I've got a goal, and you advance the ball up court. You can only dribble it twice. You can pass. There's no kicking, and you just fling it into the net. But if you if you ever Google, you know, Olympic team handball. It looks pretty impressive. Yeah, and we sounds, get kids showing up like crazy. So. Sounds like my sport, man. So w where are the services actually provided? So obviously we're here in your office. We don't see really too many kids or any kids up here. Yeah. So explain how, how someone can get your services, and, and if they are, where do they get them at? So um, the services are at the school site. So okay. here in Whittier, we're at Pioneer. We, we used to serve, serve all of the high schools, and then those grants sunsetted. And so uh, we're going to be, we hopefully will be writing for another set of grants for them to bring them back. So we have a small program at Whittier High. We have a full program at Pioneer. We used to be at Cal High. We used to be at Frontier. Um, and again, we hope to get those programs back. We are at Rosemead High School. Uh, we are in the El Monte City School District. We were just awarded a grant to go out to Pomona. Um, Emmy Dues is here in Whittier. Um, so aside from the two high schools, that's what we have right now. We also do tutoring. So these are administrative offices, but we do all of the programming out at school sites. Um, and this allows kids to be at one place and not have to travel. Um, we do do tutoring in these offices, and we have next door, small tutoring area. And then uh, parents from the area come and sign up for that as well. Got it. And that's, you know, it's a unique, well, it's, it's different because we sat with the Boys and Girls Club 
about a month ago, and their services are all in-house. And they're, they're trying to get, I think, to the schools, from what I remember, as opposed to you guys, which is the opposite. And I think from a convenience standpoint, it's so much easier. The kid gets out of class, he goes and goes into the, the program or the services right away, as opposed to sometimes having to drive and worry about logistics, how do you get the kid from here to there. And so that's, that's a neat thing. Yeah, it, it really helps out. Um, when we use the school as the site, mm-hmm. um, and as opposed to just a bricks and mortar operation where we would have to bring the kids there, um, so it does make it easier. Philosophically, you know, it me personally, I believe that the school isn't just the center of learning during the school day; it should be utilized by the community, and that's why we that's where we'll do our parenting classes in the evening. This is where we have the extended day program that go into the evening. Um, and uh, and so the school becomes kind of a center of learning just all during the hours. We run our Saturday academies where kids can uh, reclaim credit if they've missed days, and they can do that there. But it's there on a Saturday. So, so how do parents find or kids find this program or sign up? Is it something... Do you guys uh, announce at the school, or is it yeah. or directed, or somebody directs them to you because they need they need some help? So what we do is we will um, we will write for uh, that grant or get contracted to manage um, a grant funded school, and then we will provide services to the families there. They can go on our website at www.learnla.org and they can find out where their where those sites are. Um, but in the event that it isn't ours, they can also find out if their school has a grant funded site with after school programming, and then they can go ahead and you know approach their school that way as well too. Most schools have them. Um, I like to think that ours is unique. We've gotten commendations from LACO. Uh, regarding our programmings at the high school level, they said it was a model for the state and the nation. And at the elementary level, again, you know, just the involvement that we have. None of our programs look exactly the same. There are providers that just kind of will run a program, and I'm sure they do great, you know, programming. Uh, But ours, um, we want to, number one, find out what is it that the leadership of the school needs and what does the community need for that particular school? And then we get in behind that to try to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. We don't come in and try to say, this is what we think you need because they know their community best. Um, so I think that's what makes us unique. And, um, and so while we, have, while we have a certain direction, like we want to provide more you know, STEM opportunities or more you know, um, math opportunities, college access opportunities, we have a general parameter, general guidelines to do that. Um, it may look different at each school because they may need it in different ways. Do you see uh, a certain age group that attends most of these, uh, uh, what do you call them, workshops or, or, Program or programs? Yeah, the programming services, um, we have, you know, I had some numbers here. We have like over 2,300 high school students, and that's just at two high schools. Wow. So we served way more we had more and that's just a matter of funding Um, and we currently serve k-8 students we serve over 1700 students right now Um, the high school program was really interesting because in the elementary program when they're in 
they're in and they have to they have to stay in for us to maintain our funding um and if somebody drops then we fill them with another kid or if they can't make it every day then we have to bring in another kid at the high school level it doesn't work that way so a high school student can be there and say hey you know i'm i'm here for two days a week because i like garage band but i don't want to come to the other so they don't have to or i'm in sports or i have an after school job so we really have to market and make it a place that the teens want to come to yeah so um you know i'm kind of proud of the numbers that we have at the high school because there's nothing that keeps them there as the elementary level like no you got to be here unless yeah. your mom <laughs> takes you out unless your parents take you out but at the high school it's largely driven by their interest and, and the fact that they want to be there yeah yeah and so you're talking about elementary, you're talking about uh, high school. Um, so you got those kind of uh, age groups, right? Um, and you talked about different programs for obviously for different ages. So high school, it sounds like gar garage band might be the one that attracts the high schoolers. Is there something similar for the elementary kids that like a program that kind of stands out or? Well, our kids play program, you know, is is uh, like the sports program. I think I mentioned like yeah. football, basketball, handball, and cross country. Okay. Um, we we collaborate with the city of Whittier, and we've we've helped fund some of the run um, students run Whittier. We work with Greg Alanese out of um, Parks and Rec, and um, we we've brought kids to the Spooktacular, and then we also have a cross country course that you know, at, at Palm Park that they let us use and we invite the area schools to come. Um, so the Kids Play program is, is fun and attracts a lot of kids because they have a chance to come. Yeah. We, we, they get a uniform, but they're borrowed, so at the end of the season they have to give them back because we reuse them. But, um, you know, it, it has a, a huge involvement. And we're also very proud of this. It's gender-specific, so... We don't throw girls onto boys' teams. We have a separate girls' league, and we have a separate boys' league. Um, and, um, and we have just as many boys as girls. And I have to say, the girls flag football. They're has, probably more competitive, oh, right? Man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's, it's, uh, that's something to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I bet. It's, uh, I mean, especially a sport. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a more male-dominated sport, and... When you give them that same uh, um, opportunity, opportunity, yeah, they're gonna go all out. How, uh, in for example, the girls flag football. How many kids are participating in it? Is it is it one or two teams that are made up, and do they just keep playing each other, or is it bigger? No, than that? no, no, no. We have every so of the how many schools? We have sixteen schools, so fourteen schools next year. So fourteen would be elementary, and it'll go to fifteen next year when we go out to Pomona. But every one of those schools has at least four teams. Oh, so there's wow. two wow, divisions. Wow, it's a big league. Yeah, seventh and eighth, and then two divisions, fifth and sixth. Wow. Um, so, they, and they, yeah. And then there's a little perpetual trophy, just cost-saving measures. Is it, so if your school wins, you know, and you lost this year, you would, you'd have your name on that plaque, and then we'd give it to you the next year. And so kids are, and we put them on the website. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty big deal for them. I can imagine. I mean, as a seventh grader, if you lose, you want to come back next year, and <laughs> <laughs> especially with so many uh, so many other kids in it. That's right. That's right. So, so you're saying seventeen hundred students are enrolled in in your services? Seventeen hundred at the elementary level, 
Wow. And there's 2,300 at the high school level one. So, so from a staff point of view, how how big are you guys, or how many people do you have working um, for Learn? I, I, I run around doing it all. I'm kidding. Really? Oh, <laughs> he's, he's a busy guy, man. You must no, have no. a helicopter here somewhere. I, hardly. I, uh, these are our administrative offices, and we have about 11 to 12 people here. So it's made up of myself, CEO. We have our chief operation officers next door. We have our fiscal department, and then we have our programming um, supervisors here. So they're next door. We have the images coordinators next door, and um, and then alternative support services next door. So they basically oversee the programming, but each school site has a site coordinator, and that site coordinator oversees roughly anywhere from three to five youth leaders. And those youth leaders are charged with anywhere from 15 to 20 students. Wow. Um, and we go through, um, again, you know, our, our core value, we want to make sure that it's a caring environment. So we put them through a training. You know, they start at the, end, at the beginning of every year, and they shake hands with every kid, and they say, hi, I'm, so, I mean, you, you go to our sites, you know, the site coordinator's like, hi, how are you? Shake hands with the kid. They call them by their first name. We let them know that we're glad they're there and we're there for them. Um, so in that, there's roughly about 300 employees that handle wow. that. And that'll grow a little because of the Pomona site. Yeah. We're kind of excited about that um, uh, because it could open up uh, opportunities um, for you know more kids in the area. Now, the youth leaders that you uh, reference, are those paid? Or are they volunteers? They're all paid. Oh, wow. They're all paid, and we look for college students. We get a lot of kids from the area here. And, you know, we, we ran as a pioneer, and at, and at Whittier High, we've gone to St. Paul, we've gone to, you know, um, oh, just a lot of area high schools, and we, we get them as they're graduating. And we want to know where they're going to go to school next year. So if they're going to say, I'm going to... Fresno State, that's cool, but we can't hire you because you'll be in Fresno. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, but if they're going locally, if they're going to Rio, if they're going to go to, you know, Cal Poly Pomona, Cal State LA, we get uh, people that have gone to uh, Cerritos. We have uh, employees that go to Long Beach State, Fullerton. Um, then we, um, you know, go Titan. Woo woo, Titan. Yeah, we have a, a number of folks, and so we they come. We work with, we work with their schedule as much as we can, and then we push them through. Nice. So, where, where's um, in terms of schools like, that you go and participate, is that something you choose, or is it just based on your funding? It's uh, if it were my choice, we would be at every school. Yeah. So it's not entirely up to me. It's based on the funding. So, um, so like I said, there are other providers. Uh, we have been in uh, the. Whittier High School, I've mentioned those before. Yeah. I think we were in all high schools except Lucerna. It's largely based on need. Okay. So if there's a high need in the area, then we are more likely to get that grant. We have been in El Rancho. They were one of our first. We've been at Los Nietos. We have been in Montebello, um, El Monte, the city, El Monte Union, um, and now Pomona. And that fluctuates yeah. um, with funding. Um, we don't, we have been, you know, people will market what they do, uh, and so they will try a different, you know, a different provider. Um, 
I've had board members say, you know, you know the best kept secret in the area, um, but I I don't I don't market it like. How do I say this? So my my background has been as an educator my whole life. I've been a teacher. I've been an administrator. Um, I want to sell what we do coming from a sound educational standpoint, not um, like, hey, come to come to us and we'll give you a break on whatever. I yeah, we, yeah. Just, we just yeah. So is it a is it a good thing or I don't even want to call it a good thing um, if schools no longer have the need. Does that mean, you know, social economics is getting better in that area or that school? And are you guys happy about that, or does that, yeah. you know, not good for business? That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, when we had um, the majority of high schools here at Lucerna, we didn't get. I mean, in Whittier, that ex with the exclusion of Lucerna, we didn't get funded a following year, and some of the Omani schools because their uh, a number of things went down. Like truancy rates went down. They did a number of write-ups on us in the paper. Truancy rates went down. Uh, high school graduation rate went up. College going rate went up. So when we wrote for the other grant, when the grant the following year, after a five-year cycle, they were like, oh, you don't need this anymore. Yeah, they're like, oh, great, <laughs> great job. You're fired because you did too good of a job. <laughs> so what has changed... Um, so in a way, we thought like, well, you know, I understand you want to give it to schools with higher needs because there's a, it's it's a, it's a small pot of money. Correct. Um, what they're doing now is, uh, we hear that they're going to uh, the money comes from U.S. Department of Ed through California Department of Ed, and what they're what they're saying now is that if you have a grant and you see success, you will get priority points if you already have a grant. So it would be easier for you to keep that grant and keep the good work going and not have to, like, oh, you fell off the charts. Oh, we'll bring you back when things fall into the gutter. Yeah. Which, actually, I was going to say, that it, it, it makes sense, but at the same time you think about it and you're like, probably not, the, probably not the best way to put it as an experience, but, for example, a maintenance plan. Uh, and I'm just talking about like a cleaning. Like say uh, you're cleaning a building or something like that. The first time around, they're going to charge you, you know, say $5,000 to clean the building because it's never been cleaned for a long time. Now, the next time around, if they put you on a maintenance plan, you know, they might start charging you, say, 500 bucks if they come quarterly or something like that because it's less to clean. But you still keep it going because that building needs to keep looking sharp. Wouldn't that apply also for, for this type of program? I mean, you, you would hate to, like you said, go wait till they call you and say, hey, you know, kids are kind of falling off again. Come come work your magic. Um, but at that point, you're working harder than you would have if you would have kept it going, right? Right. Well, that 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 your answer is just too simple and makes too much sense. And I don't think that's, <laughs> so why, that, that, that's <laughs> why you can't do it. <laughs> and I would I agree. Yeah. Uh, but that yeah, uh, a lot of times... You know, you just kind of wonder at some of the, you know. Because your funding is from is from the state, or is it a? Uh, it comes it through come the from? state from the feds. So okay. some of it comes. So for instance, uh, with high school, the high school is coming through the state from the feds. The school in Pomona is coming through the state from the feds. Um, the elementary schools are coming directly from the state through the district. Okay. Um, 
And uh, so that's how. And then there are other smaller grants. We've gotten grants for medicine. That just comes directly to us. We run a program. We write a report. They come out. They view it. They give us thumbs up or down. And um, a question for you. With Betty DeVos. It's Betsy. Oh, it's Betsy. Okay, sorry. Miss <laughs> DeVos, with her being the head of the education department, is that something that is, you think might be favorable for you guys? Or is it maybe too unknown yet? No, I think it's been known for a while, and there's been a lot of apprehension about, you know, what could continue. Um, I know that <clears throat> now that she is Secretary of Education, one of the things they've called for is the elimination of all these programs. They want to shift all that money to uh, providing vouchers um, across the country. Um, what are your thoughts about that? <laughs> well... <laughs> So I did my graduate work in education and actually did my work on vouchers. Um, you know, it's interesting. And they suck. No, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 actually, no. I, I wouldn't say that. Um, but, um, you know, like one of, the, one of the largest voucher and the oldest in the country has been in Milwaukee. Uh, initially, after the, the initial time of it, you found that there was really no change. Um, since that time, you've seen that some of those schools are doing a little better, people that you know, were on the voucher plan. Um, but I, I have a reason as to why that is. But I want to I go back to initially when they were giving out vouchers and said, oh, here, you can go to this school. They just sprung them up at night. Or you can go to a Catholic school. Or you can go to a private school, just a non-sectarian private school. Sorry, before we move forward, because I, I don't know what a voucher means. Is a voucher literally like a um, like some kind of cash that they say? So every kid, every child has a certain amount of money that um, is attributed to them, and that money then goes. That's how the districts get paid to do the work that they do for the school district. And so some people have have espoused for schools, pre predominantly in low income areas, saying. See, those schools aren't doing their job educating our kids, so let's take their allotment of money and give it to another school. To, like, if my kid, I want him to go to ABC school, or I want him to go to St. Mary's school. Not, not, nothing against St. Mary's here. Just, I'm just pulling yeah. that name out of the air. But uh, just another school that they believe will benefit their kid, and then the government sends their allotment of money to that school. Um, so then that public school then will get less of that money and they'll have a smaller uh, portion of money to work with to deal with these students. Okay. So as I was mentioning, um, initially in Milwaukee they were showing that there was not as much difference. Um, there is a slight difference now where they're doing a little better. Um, one of the things that showed up early on in the research in those schools in Milwaukee was that while they may not have been doing uh, in those first years of the voucher any better than the public schools, <laughs> parent satisfaction was higher. And I think it was because of the belief that, well, we're here, and so, of course, it's, it's better. Yeah. Uh, they just were happier. Yeah. Doesn't mean that their kids were performing any better. Right. Um, so that's one thing that stood out. Um, I think that it's it's really easy to point to a school in an area, in an underserved area, and say they're doing a poor job when it's just a hard thing 
to be educated in a low-income area if, you know, your, you know, parents don't uh, make enough to provide you with resources that other kids are avail themselves to, like tutoring or just other experiences, which we try to do in our program. So we provide homework assistance, we provide tutoring, we provide enrichment activities, we take them on field trips. Um, you could, you could, it's easy to point at the school and say, well, look, they didn't solve all these social ills, but they also didn't create those social ills as well. You know, it's funny, my, my wife's an educator and um, she's probably going to hate me that I'm talking or saying this because we've had this discussion before <laughs> and uh, we obviously tend to disagree. On, this is Jesse's opinion only. Yeah, this is my opinion. Nobody else's. Um, but uh, for me, and I'm just going based on my experience uh, growing up, is that, you know, I, there's classes that I took. Uh, I went to public school. Uh, there's classes that I took that were, I mean... I enjoyed, I mean, enjoyed art, you know, we had like a mechanic shop, we had a welding class, uh, a drafting class, you know, uh, believe it or not, I like math, I had, I like taking math, um, so all these classes that I, that I actually enjoyed and, and loved being in, um, there was always one or two kids that were the ones that didn't enjoy those classes, and they were the ones interrupting, uh, uh, essentially learning, right, and of course, a teacher would focus more on that kid because, you know, she's they they gotta teach him something, um, and that would take away from whatever lessons we were taking or learning that day or or that project. And so for me, it was always that frustration of like, well, why is it that why is it that the kid who's not here to learn gets all that attention and focus, you know? And and now that I'm getting older, is like and, and going again, kind of my kids are also through public public schools, like. Um, why why is it that we can't just you know uh, uh, get those kids and 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 because everybody learns differently right and uh, if they're having problems learning why can't we just put them in a program that would focus on them individually opposed to trying to to teach them with the class where you're you're trying to you know teach these other kids sure. and it's unfair to them um, if you're not focusing on them. Sure. Um, and of course my wife is the opposite. Cause she's like, you gotta, you gotta teach all the kids fairly this and that. And so, um, um, again, going into this voucher thing, which for me, not, again, not knowing too much about it, I think it's a, it'd be something interesting because in that, in that case for me, it would be, well, then let's move you out somewhere and, and see where else you could fit in. But I can also see where now at that point you're reducing the funds of that school and what happens? I mean, what happens to everybody else that sticks around, you know? Do they get the same equal uh, opportunity of education or does it diminish because there's no funds? Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough balance, right? It's like, uh, we're, 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 how do you go about it? But uh, um, again, I guess we'll, we'll learn more, right, as, as things kind of move forward with uh, yeah. this education program. Yeah. I think, I think in short, I think I... Uh, to that opinion, I think I think it's really it's an issue of equity. Um, we could take all those kids out and put them in a class, whoever they are. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's a bad teacher and yeah. they don't get along with them. I don't, I don't know yeah, why yeah. they're acting that way. Maybe they're special needs. Maybe they're ADHD. Maybe there's problems at home. Maybe there's uh, domestic abuse, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you you could take them all out. Um, but I think what's important is that these are kids that are going to have to function in a society that includes everybody. Yeah. And if we can't teach them how to function with everybody at that age, why would they function with everybody at, an, at a later age? 
So it is a tough job. Yeah. Teaching is a tough job, and there are those challenges. But I, as a parent, I, I could hear, you know, why people, you know. I will say this much, though. Um, research has shown that when you take kids and you, you, you bring them all together, um, those at the lowest end get the most out of it. And if you, they, they really do. And this goes toward, you know, even towards, you know, racially. Um, you know, um, integration has done wonders for it. But when you start to, you know, separate them or people run from the school because people of a particular background or color are going to be there, it really hurts those at that lower end because uh, it helps them to be able to integrate and know what it's like to operate with people of, you know, all kinds of economic backgrounds and, and, and all. And so... And research has shown that. They've shown that kids have really progressed and moved on. But um, but if it were that easy. Well, I was going to say, when you answered the question, it, it, was flash, it was like a flashback to the discussion I was having with my wife because that was her answer. You know, it's like, again, as an educator, it's like, we just can't do that. You just can't. Like, you know, it's unfair. And, you know, kind of going into the whole, you know, kids kids are a certain way. She, she uh, her class is, uh, uh, it's a special ed uh, classroom. Uh, sixth to seventh grade. Um, so yes, you're dealing with again, you know, family family situations. Uh, obviously, their their learning capabilities. Um, and as an educator, you got to be able to be able to work with that, right? So, um, and again, I get it. Obviously, I'm coming from a, a parent perspective. Um, and and if the research, if what you're saying is true, then uh, then it just means that we can still continue to educate kids. In a in a classroom scenario, where um, you know, being able to teach the majority of the class, it'll kind of then uh, go and, and and work itself through with the other kids. Um, again, just going back to my experience, it was like, man, that that kid is just like he just does not want to be here. So why are we keeping him here? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I would say it's not even just kids; it's it's adults. I mean, being in in, in a sales environment. The people that you surround yourself with, you come if you're the kind of the, the lowest, I say producer for the lack of better words. You come up to the standards of the higher group, or you get out of the group, and then it, that people at the highest of the group they don't get as much from it because um, their benchmark or their standard is at a certain high. So I, I think that example of the I guess the I don't say the lower end of the the group they're the ones that benefits more. It's not just for kids; it's for adults um and just your overall standards in life and you hang around with billionaires your standard becomes that you hang around with people that are you know not billionaires that's what your standards become and so that example is not i don't think you know just for kids it's, it's for adults and it's a life example right so remo are you saying that the more i hang out with you the more i'm going to become a millionaire well good luck jesse more, <laughs> more than hang out here let's we you know, hang out more often man let's yeah, do this yeah. <laughs> So Robert, go, going into uh, going into um, why you chose what you're doing now, um, what's what what kind of I know you said your your backgrounds as an educator. Have you always been uh, passionate about education, and 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 then how did you jump into this? Um, I you know I. What sparked it? What, I, what set it I, off? I've just always enjoyed being around kids. My my, my mom worked in the schools and. She was always volunteering at the schools that I went at. She was a member of the PTA. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, I remember volunteering in high school to go coach teams. And um, 
when I graduated as an undergrad, I was on my way to law school, and then I, I had to go home that day. I was broke, stone broke, and <laughs> this friend of my girl, my 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 sister's boyfriend, uh, who I knew, he said, "Hey, you know, um, they're they're hiring teachers. You don't need a credential, but they'll put you through a special program. You can come out with a credential after a couple of years." And so I I did it. And that first year, I went through an internship program, and then that first year they put me in a fifth grade class, and I just thought. I, I can't found leave love, this. Huh? Yeah, can't leave it. I still keep in touch with those kids. Very cool. Yeah. What subject were you teaching? It was a self-contained classroom, so I taught all subjects, multiple subjects. Okay. Uh, but since then, I've taught uh, elementary school, high school, and in college. And Is in, there any one particular subject you like teaching or like teaching? Um, you know, I really liked history because I really like challenging the kids about, yeah. you know, if this isn't, I just... We're not going to learn about. I'm not going to force you to memorize dates yeah. or times. What I want you to know is why. Why do you think this happened? Yeah. yeah. You know why did this happen? Do you see any correlations now? Yeah. And uh, I tell you that the biggest revelation for me was that I didn't find much difference between college students and high school students, especially when really? college students would say, "Is this going to be on the test?" Because <laughs> <laughs> you get programmed to become a test taker. Exactly. And when you say that, you don't. You ask the reason why, exactly. as opposed to the date. When you said that, I'm thinking, no, all I remember were the dates and not why or anything. It's just more of, you know, 4th of July, 1776. That's all you remember. But right. the reason behind it, no one really knows. Well, it's the same reason those college students were asking. I, I didn't really blame them, but they came up in a system that just, it was all about just tests, just score at this test, as opposed to really delving and learning. And um, yeah, same questions. That's. Well, having just graduated, sorry to say, um, having just graduated, I can 100% attest that's still how it is. I mean, your grade is so heavily mm. dependent on your midterm, your final, if you bomb the midterm, like there's only so much you can do in order to get a passing grade in the class. So that's, I've definitely heard that all the time. I even ask that. Or if my professor's like, this will be on the test, then I put a big, bright yellow star. <laughs> I highlight it. No one else will catch that comment, but I did. And um, yeah, yeah, and that is how we are conditioned to to learn or however that, right. you know, learning quotes. It's funny because uh, um, history for me was always been the, the toughest one throughout uh, school. And it wasn't until high school so I would, throughout throughout school, I was always asked the question, but why history? Like, why why do we need to learn something that happened way back? Sure. You know? And obviously, I get different answers and all that. But it wasn't until high school that I had a – she was really good. She was a really good uh, history teacher um, who actually uh, uh, piqued my interest in actually learning, like wanting to show up to her class every day. Um, and for her, it was that kind of model. It wasn't about uh, pointing to the specific days and, and you know, times and all that stuff. It was about teaching the actual event and, and how, and we would look at it from different perspectives. And for me, I was, I mean, it was, again, the best history teacher you could ever have. Um, and even till now, when we're looking at, uh, like, the history channel and stuff like that, it's like, man, she almost took, I mean, she was a history channel before the history <laughs> channel <laughs> was even around, you know? Yeah, so that's really, I'm the exact opposite. I just wanted to memorize the <laughs> date. But now that I watch the history channel, I get so much more entertainment from it. Yeah. That and it's probably produced and some Hollywood yes, in it yes, and all that. Like, 
But back in the days, all I remember is just memorize dates. Memorize the dates. <laughs> you correct the history channel. He goes, that's the wrong. That yeah, was yeah, yeah. No, there's no way that's that date. <laughs> go back to my notes in ninth grade and tell you what yeah. day it really was. That's funny. So, Robert, um, after an educator, what, what kind of led you to, to running Learn or, or being part of Learn? Uh, totally by accident. Um, so I... I I left school and uh, I left teaching and I, I, uh, I, while I was teaching, I was constantly uh, trying to write for funds to fund programs. And then um, real quickly, I, I, I thought to myself, you know, if I could just be outside the school, I could do so much more. So I left and I went to become the program director for the I Have a Dream Foundation up in San Francisco. And uh, so I was there providing all these resources and getting money. And I can remember after about a year there thinking, and I was doing all these programs in the school, and I kept thinking, God, if I could just be in the school, I could do so much <laughs> yeah. more. I was just like, ah, oh, back and forth. But it, once I stepped outside, I stayed uh, in the nonprofit sector working in education. So I did that and then um, came, uh, worked for Teach for America um, in the summers as a summer student training teacher, core members. And then I uh, uh, met my uh, white girlfriend, then fiance, then later wife. And then uh, we moved to Santa Barbara, and I did my graduate work there. And I worked for Carpenter Unified, and then I also worked for, um, uh, I was working for Boys and Girls Club as a consultant, doing programs for them. Um, and then uh, came to LA. It was recession, was bad. Um, we actually bought a little house. I can't believe she never sold it. Like <laughs> <laughs> and you but, didn't call me. No. Yeah, I didn't call you. It was $130,000. Can you believe that? Oh, Santa Barbara. Wow. But um, came to L.A. and I, I worked and became, I got a job as the executive director for uh, the, the foundation used to be the LAOOC, the Olympic Organizing Committee, and then they became LA84. And so they were wanting to put athletic programs in underserved areas and start creating these boards. So we had about 26 boards across the county. And then um, from there, I wanted to get back more into education, even though they were all school-based. Worked as a director for the Boyle Heights College Institute, which is a college access program. And then later got recruited to go to Cal State LA to do the same programming. I took the job because um, the woman who was recruiting me said, um, you know, I said, we have this new learning center. We just started it. And my wife had been diagnosed with cancer. And it was long nights, you know, spending, you know, just writing grants, doing what you need to do. And she looked around and she said, you don't have to grant write. And I thought, oh, wow. She goes, and yeah, you just you go home at 4 or 5 every day. And I thought, I got I to take the job. So I did that, and I was there. Um, and so she passed in December of 2000. And I stayed on for another year and then just just had to take a leave. And so I, I left. And um, and then you go nuts when you're at home. You're like, what yeah, do I yeah. do? So I called a couple of friends. Brenda was one of them who worked with me at Cal State LA and another friend, Mike, and some other folks. And uh, I was doing consulting for a number of Cal States who had uh, college access programs. And... Um, I said, you know, there's not there's not anything in Whittier. And we were all Whittier residents. And I said, we should write a grant for Whittier. So we wrote a grant, Department of Ed, ran all these focus groups, Los Nietos, Pioneer, 
El Rancho in El Monte. And this whole, it was called the Rio Hondo. That's our legal name, the Rio Hondo Education Consortium, because it all followed the Rio Hondo River. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and the demographics were pretty much the same. And um, we got awarded the grant, and believe it or not, nobody wanted it. So we were partner, We are partners with Whittier College and Rio Hondo College. Rio was going through um, presidential search, and they didn't want to, it was, I think, $5 million. Wow. Um, rough, a little over $5 million for five years, and they were like, no, don't really want to sign on to that interim president. Went to Rio. We were working with their vice president, and they said, no, you know, we don't. We're going to write our own. We thought, but it's here. You can have it. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so we thought, you know, and we needed to have we needed to have what was called an LEA. They changed the rules where you couldn't have, you couldn't be a nonprofit and take it. You had to be a lear- learning education agency, so a district, a school, a college. And um, we called Nick Salerno, who was a superintendent in El Monte at the time. And, he, and the first words out of his mouth were, you know, Bob, what do I need to do? He said, well, first of all, you have to sign on that you'll take the grant, but you have to administer it for, like, three or four other school districts, you know, Los Nietos, Whittier, uh, Whittier Union, El Rancho, and then El Monte. He goes, does this impact what I can do for my schools? And I went, no. And he goes, okay, let's do it. He is an amazing man. He now is at Cal Poly Pomona in the Ed Department, and he just didn't see what was going to benefit his district. He d- he really saw what it could benefit in terms of the area, and it wasn't going to hurt his kids. It was going to benefit his kids as well. Yeah. So we he uh, he signed it, and then almost overnight we thought, oh, well, since you know nobody took it, and he kind of took it for us, we need to. So we we had a five hundred one c three. We were going to do consulting and uh, Rio Hunt Education Consortium, and then later became Learn. Because they were confusing us with the college. Correct. I've been doing this for ten years. No, oh, wow. like it's going on twelve now. Time flies, huh? Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. It has been. Fun. <laughs> how how long have you guys been in this location and also in Whittier? Uh, we've been in Whittier since the start. Since the start. Um, we were initially at. Well, we actually, we started at Saint Matthias, in a little room, and then uh, from there. Uh, we moved to the B of A building, and we were there for like almost seven years. And then the elevator went out one day, and we had to walk like <laughs> five flights of stairs. <laughs> the air I've would go there. off and on. Yeah. And <laughs> so we looked someplace else, and we, we moved right over here where uh, on the other side of, um, you know, a little pathway between the... the mo- where the movie theater is? Yes. On top of upstairs. Oh, okay, yeah. We were there for maybe about a couple of years. And it was not enough space. Then we moved to the Methodist Church, and we were there for about two, three years. And we were like two, and then then we moved here. This has been good. The air conditioner works. Yeah, yeah. Works <laughs> I do have elevator. elevators, but I take the stairs anyway. Right. So. It's, all, it's only three yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have more space, right? So makes yeah. sense. So, so when you're not working uh, here, and uh, where do you venture off in Whittier? Like, if you were to go grab a a sandwich or a meal, maybe an adult cocktail, where would you go? So, an adult cocktail, so, I really like Ravello's. And I asked them, because I have a couple friends and we like scotch, and and they had their usual suspects, and I said, you know, have you tried the, um, 
the uh, the Japanese single malts. And so he said, what are the names? So he wrote them down. It was at a wine tasting they had. And then I, he saw me, because we've, we've had events there, staffing events. We've taken our etiquette dinner there. We were their first big meal there. And he says, where have you been? I got the Japanese whiskey. And I thought, <laughs> awesome. I, I'll be I'll in. Be back. I take my, my lunch meetings there. And I, uh -huh. yeah. Um, so I like there, they have a good selection. And the other place that has a good selection is um, Vintage has a good selection. Yeah. They have a 25-year-old at the top, if it's still there. Wow. Um, so, yeah, those are good eateries that I like going to. But um, I like, uh, I enjoy flights. Okay. Um, and um, I really like that the cellar opened up. Um, I sound like an alcoholic. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no. You're just picking out the right spots for after we're a hard all day's in work. Agreement with you, so yeah. no. <laughs> well, you can't. You can, we won't blame you after a hard day's work. You got to enjoy your your afternoons. Yeah, and so. I'm excited about the the Whittier Brewery. Yeah, 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 really excited about that. Yeah, so buy a growler. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert, this is fun. Um, you're not going to ask him your question. I will. Do we have a couple more minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we got a couple more minutes. So this is so, Jesse's signature question. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you if uh, if there's something you think Uptown or just yeah Uptown in general is missing, what would it be? Um, one thing, huh? You know. It is a walking place. Yeah. If you could make it more of a walking place. Okay. I think um, that would bring in more people. It's, it's just funny. People drive to downtown Disney yeah. so they can walk. People Correct. drive to Universal Studios so they can walk. They yeah. drive to the Promenade in Santa Monica so they can get out and walk. Correct. Uh, I think that if you if you had something like that, it would. I think people would be here. People like being around other people and just... You know, I think it brings good energy. Um, so, you, you, does that mean more parking? Does that mean clean up the streets? Does that mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of an advocate of like closing off maybe a main boulevard and, you know, um, having more outside eateries and yeah. things of that nature. Um, and and I more parking would be helpful, but more in the line of like Pasadena, where you you kind of have them in, in segmented blocked areas. Yeah, and where people uh, walk. Yeah, and then people get out and walk. Yeah. yeah. I I actually think sorry, but you know the 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 new Nellis thing. Correct. I think it'd be so cool if you this like if somebody I could. I did a double major, so my other major was in urban planning for geography, was uh -huh. a geography major, uh, economic and uh, urban economic development. I think again, this is to the walking piece. If you if you got like an old red car yeah. from the, and had it go from the Nellis site up into this area and back down again, yeah. this place would be hopping. You heard it first. Robert is funding a red <laughs> car. <laughs> I'll fund it. Just someone drive That's it. That's his as next long as the numbers uh, make sense. venture I'm, there. <laughs> I don't know. We could put a big Emmy Dews logo on it or something. Yeah. I don't know. Or a big learn logo there. <laughs> there you go. Learn logo on <laughs> Come it. Come and learn about it. So it transport people from yeah. there to here. Yeah. And it makes... And it's funny you say that because historically that's where there was a, a car. A trolley. A trolley right. that was running up and down that street. So uh I don't know, maybe they could just dig it in dig in into the streets and find the old rails or something yeah. like that. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Right? And, and Jesse and I were actually talking about the, the Nettles project this morning. 
yeah. about how you know bringing in the 700 or so residents that it, it projects to bring in if it's going to cause any traffic congestion if it's you know what kind of effect does it have schools yeah you know where do you these, these people or these uh, the residents will have children and with those children they got to go somewhere so. sure uh, so it's funny that we bring this up. Cause yeah, we're, we're talking about, talking about <clears throat> I don't know if you know the full details of the Nellis project, but there are about 740 or 50 homes that they're bringing in. So I was telling Remark, well, just say just 700 of them are, are families that have kids. Um, where are you going to house all those kids in, 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 in schooling around here, you know? Right. I mean, I think we're all kind of tapped out locally. Um, for me... Again, just kind of thinking as a planner, you know, architect and all that stuff. It's like that whole community should have had its own public school or some kind of schooling. Because um, those are a lot of kids. Yeah. It's, uh, um, anyways, so that was one aspect that we were talking about the old traffic and cars. and. Well, the old Lincoln know. Elementary School could come back. And if you had a trolley, they just get right off. Right. How right. cool is that? Yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. See, we, we, yeah, I solutions know, happen, right? I know. <laughs> I know, I know there's something good about this program. <laughs> <laughs> so the city, you're listening to this. Uh, there you go. Contact Robert. He, he'll definitely help out. <laughs> he with, has uh, a plan. He has a master plan. Well, Robert, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank uh, you for having me. And uh, a lot of good stuff. And anything you want to talk about in terms of future events or upcoming events? or Yeah, real quickly. Yeah. We have a scoop on July 15th. Okay. So we're raising money. Our board and our employees are raising money. Last year we raised $8,000 and we were able to scoop free ice cream cones for a couple of hours. So on the 15th, come out and get a free ice cream cone. Uh, and the, the duration of how long we scoop is based on how much money we raised. Okay. If you'd like to make a donation, go on our website to uh, Learn LA and see all the different teams on there. Uh, mine is called Super Scoopers, and that's probably the best team you should donate to. Donate. <laughs> yeah. We won last year. And then our second event, we're trying to, we're looking at trying to see if we can um, have an event sometime in late August to um, get rid of some Hamilton tickets. Yeah. So we're looking for a venue, actually. Okay. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Good, good. And um, do you want to talk about the Open Waters? or? Sure. Uh, Open Waters Foundation, we, we uh, met with... Um, um, Richard Ricardo, and, uh -huh. and uh, uh, it really dovetails nicely with um, some work that we want to do with dads at the school sites and uh, getting them more involved. And so we're hoping that we're, we're going to be incorporating this into some of our in some of our programming for after school, so that we can do this. We're going to do it in in, in conjunction with some like um, we're trying to see if we can do some. Um, nighttime campouts but they're not really campouts but it'd be like we're gonna see if the school district will let us have like you know fire and people yeah, yeah. come and they have food we want to tell the dads about this and have them come out and part of be a part of open waters very cool yeah, very so. cool well again so uh how do they find you again your website www.learnla.org okay and and uh, do you guys have any other social media that you guys use or uh, MEDs has a Facebook page, and we have our new marketing communications intern coming in in a couple of days. Okay. So hopefully we'll get more into the 21st century. <laughs> there you go. Stay tuned. Yeah. And again, MEDs is uh, on Bright and Philadelphia. So uh, if you have not gone, and I'm looking at Remo when I'm saying this, if you have not gone to get ice cream yet, you, you gotta, he's just inviting me to go get ice cream. You got to try. <laughs> you got to try the uh, the ice cream sandwich, which yeah. is really good. I mean, it, you got two chocolate chip. Well, I like chocolate chip cookies. So you got two chocolate chip cookies with some uh, ice cream in between. Done. 
All right, we'll go there. So <laughs> you're buying me one after this. Again, Robert, thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for having me.